Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 112, episode 2 of Der Daily Zeitgeist, yeah. a production of <laughs> iHeartRadio. This here's a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say officially off the top, fuck the Koch brothers and their Coke fuck. industries and fuck Fox it's News. Fuck it's not Friday, is it? Nah, it's Tuesday, December 10th, 2019. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Jack O'Brien, Jack O'Brien, host of TDZ. With hot takes and hands that shake and an ass you just can't see. Oh, Jack O'Brien, Jack O'Brien loves that Mountain Dew. Prayers for impeachment of that unpresidential fool. Courtesy of Pod Moran, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co host, Mr. Miles Gray. You smoke weed like Miles watching love. Hope to feel something in 90 days. I really don't think it's strong enough. No. Do you smoke weed like Miles watching love? Okay. Thank you to Taylor Fleming for that share inspired AKA. Watching love the uh, Netflix this, series? Uh, yeah, that too. Okay. Love Big Paul Rust fan. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we <laughs> had to tune in for that. Uh, more of my 90 days. But, you oh, know, it's okay, about love it. just generally. But yeah, ah. shout out to what did Judd Apatow uh, executive produce that? Yeah, yeah. And then people were like, mm, how many people color this? <laughs> right. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. that was somebody after about five episodes and was like, wait, wait, this a is second. interesting because I, I, if I recall correctly, was Believe by Cher not the top song in 1999? Uh, because it just reminds me of an episode we did with our guest today uh, talking about the year 1999. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it was like full circle, baby. It is full circle. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, that guest that you're speaking of, Miles, Mm -hmm. who we did an episode about the year 1999 is none other than uh, the hilarious and talented comedian and podcast host and advanced degree having Mm -hmm. film... Come on, you're doing so good. Intellectual. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, she is Latin dancer UTI. She is Caitlin Durante. Hi. What's up? Oh, I've what, what got, you got a couple. You got a couple for us? Some more yep, anagrams? Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, Latin dancer UTI is uh, the anagram for Caitlin Durante. As is a identical runt and a... <laughs> Deliriant cunt. Deliriant, a deliriant cunt. identical cunt. run. Hell yeah. <laughs> and name, those I are can't. those are courtesy of uh, Bob Dad and his son Charlie. Wow. Wait, Bob really? Dad and Sh- Charlie? Shout out to Bob Dad. Hey, Charlie came up with the deliriant cunt one. Wow. Is that really Dad true? <laughs> okay. Oh. That's just his Twitter handle. Okay. Good. Oh, Bob Dad and Charlie. Um. His- I well. Uh. I, I don't think they're on Twitter, um, but he emailed me and he was just okay. like, I want you Bless to know about up. these. Bless. And is his email handle Bob Dad and his son Charlie? You know what? I don't know. But Bob Dad Goldthwait. I don't he think just so. said, just you. <laughs> yeah, you I was can like, well, I, was, I, I emailed him back and I said, who, who, what's your Twiddle handle? Twiddle. Twiddle handle. <laughs> Someone turned a little four year old. <laughs> what's oh, your Twiddle handle? <laughs> I said, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, huh. And he's like, I don't use Twitter that much, but if you just uh, credit Bob Dad and Charlie, that'll be great. Bob Dad Shout and out to Charlie. Bob Dad and Charlie. Be a- yeah. Be like a rock duo. Oh yeah, animated series. Yeah, is that like a new Lisa Hannah Walt show? 
the woman who did Bojack and Charlie. All right, Caitlin, we're going to get to know you even better than we already do in a moment. But first, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of things we're talking about today. Uh, we're going to talk about the continued fallout uh, from the bombshell Peloton mm-hmm. ad. Peloton. Uh, Peloton ad. Yeah. You, you noticed that I got nervous there, that I was pronouncing it incorrectly. <laughs> well, I don't know how. It's, Peloton. No, no Peloton. Well, Peloton. it's Peloton. <laughs> Peloton. And I was just fucking with you more. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, You're welcome. Well, yeah, there's con- just continued fallout from that. So I love that, that it's this is I don't know how we're getting multiple weeks worth of discussion out of one stupid commercial. So either Peloton Peloton has a, uh, a really bad marketing department and a really bad legal department also. Yeah. Or they are just like galaxy mind on this shit and they're doing this all for the mm, added interesting. Uh, negative attention of making their well, product they, unbiable as a Christmas they gift. They fucked up major <laughs> considering they lost one and a half billion dollars yeah. in valuation. No, but see, as long term, they're playing 9D chess, man. It's like, That's yeah, the thing like, you don't understand about 9D chess is it's like Oxymandias. You are just like, at first it's not clear, but then like decades on. Did you, you say realize. Oxymandius? Like yeah. the Purdue Pharma version of Ozymandias? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oxymandius. Dad brain. <laughs> Yo, Oxymandius. Oxymandius. Wow. Uh, my dad calls Brad Pitt Brad Pitt. And, uh, Adding S's is very common. Yeah. I call Twitter Twiddle, so Twiddle. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> Twiddle mode. Uh, once I start adding S's, that's when I'm really in trouble. When you become uh, daddy. We're going to check in with the impeachment trial. Girl, I'm uh, talking about impeaching this creep. The IG report is out. Uh, a banana was sold uh, for $120,000 uh, because it was duct taped to a wall. Uh, it had a full artistic evolution that yeah. could only be in 2019, too. Hmm. Uh, we're going to say RIP to Carol Spinney, a.k.a. Big Bird. Uh, we're going to talk about the Golden Globe noms. Globe noms, guys. Globe noms. Globe yeah. noms season. Uh, so we're going to talk about all that and plenty more. But first, Caitlin, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? I searched for red herring movie examples. Or okay. like examples of red herrings in movies. Great. Because I've been developing a screenwriting class. Again, I, I and always, you are I hate to, to, to bring it up, but I do have a master's degree right. in screenwriting from you Boston hate University. It from BU. I simply, from BU. Right. Okay. And the mascot mm-hmm. there is? Is a terrier, a Boston terrier. The mascot is a terrier for yeah. BU? Yeah, oh, we're the terriers. Oh, cute. It's cute. cute. <laughs> Anyway, so I have this screenwriting class that I am like uh, developing curriculum for, um, and so I was like, "Wait a minute, I need to teach about red herrings, yeah, obviously." Yeah. Right. So I was looking for examples. What's a good I, one? Yeah. Um, the first Harry Potter movie, uh, Snape, Professor Snape, it. is a red herring. Right, because you think he's going. That be guy's bad. a yeah. fish. Yeah, he's yeah, a fish. Exactly. See, this uh-huh. is why I don't watch this stuff. Man. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What's next? I thought I thought herrings were birds. Isn't every oh, time oh, a heron, it, red heron? It well, there's like a it heron. It should be a bird, not right. a fish. Yeah, mm-hmm. but her- oh, heron, a heron, a heron, red heron. Yeah, also, yeah. <laughs> you do not want to fuck with the red heron. Yeah, as some people you. back in the day used to call heroin to a heron. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is something you think is underrated? Oh, I just want to say, yeah, uh, I want to commend you for being a person who teaches a screenwriting class and doesn't just xerox passages out of existing books and then says. 
I'm teaching a class. Oh, geez. Because there I would is. Never. Man, I've seen some shit like that where I'm like, you're just. You act like we haven't read Story by Robert McKee and you're just putting, <laughs> you're extracting that into like a printout and then being like, let's talk about this part. I'm like, are you teaching Robert McKee or do you know something? Mm-hmm. So I like that you are actually doing oh, research. Thank you so much. That's the mark of a true educator, yes. someone with a master's degree that was not purchased online. That's Verifiable. Right. <laughs> and if you're interested in taking my screenwriting classes yes. out there, listeners, uh, I have one uh, new sections starting in January. Mm. So go to my website, CaitlinDurante.com, for more info. Yeah, support. Yeah. Is answering the question, what is Rosebud considered a red heron? Or is that? Mm, that's almost more of a MacGuffin, I a think. A MacGuffin. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what the difference is. Well, you better there? take my class and yeah. find out. I thought MacGuffin I was just up. the proper name for a red herring. Uh, a, oh no, two like, different things. How oh, McGruff is a proper fold. name for a crime dog. <laughs> sure. <laughs> MacGuffin was the proper name McGruff. for a red herring. The famous uh, storytelling device, a crime dog. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you gotta yes. watch out for those. Crime dog millionaire. Uh, what is something you think is underrated? Um, women having short hair. Yeah. I ha- got a, ha- a very short haircut probably like six months ago. Uh, and I'm loving it. Yeah. And yeah. I think every person should do it. <laughs> to you, okay, let's talk. Let's speak directly to someone who might be on the fence, who's always fancied a short crop, mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. you were. Sure. Uh, what would you say, come on over to this side? The, wet, the, the water's warm. Well, it's the maintenance is far easier. I used to spend a lot of time every day uh, drying my hair and then like straightening it with a flat iron and like doing all this stuff. Mm. And then I hardly do anything anymore. And now you look like you you have a stylist. You didn't do anything <laughs> do. to your hair yeah. right now. I put a little bit of product in it, and I wow. and that, but that's about it. To Sometimes I have hair. to like wet it down if I like wake up and it's like all sticking up. I just sort of. But I wouldn't pay to know that feeling of hair sticking <laughs> up on my head. But uh, like I think like for women especially, there's this idea that like oh I won't like feel or look feminine enough yeah, if yeah, I have short yeah. hair. And then there's also this idea of like potentially short hair could be like maybe a marker for your sexuality kind of thing. Sure. But you know I'm a. I guess a straight lady who knows anymore, but like, I don't, I just, it's so easy. I, I got the haircut to, um, cause I w- went on a trip to Europe. Sorry. I did not go to Florence. That's fine. Italy. Right. That's fine. Mm. Pete Buttigieg did. Though. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we better vote for him. Yes. Um, tweet yes. that I was roasted. In the what? I don't know what you're talking about. Nah, sometimes it just be owned. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you might know about that. But uh, so I was like, I just need like something easy to travel with. And right, I don't want right, to like right. pack a bunch of like, you know, uh, devices. I get that. Yeah. Hair right. dryers Less and cumbersome. stuff like that. And the, yeah, What's I, a, what was an unexpected benefit of your hair that you did not even see happen? And then it occurred and you're like, you know what? Wow. I really like this now. I mean, I never like when I go out, like when I run or like go like play soccer and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I don't have to like worry about like it coming loose from my ponytail. Yeah. I just I just running around. It's easy. Mm. It's out there scoring hat tricks like it's nothing. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> On her level. Stop. <laughs> How did you like? Because you really pull it off well. Thank Was you. there like a a leap just having spoken? With women who've considered the short haircut, they're like, ah, but could I pull it off? Could I not pull it off? Like, you know. I think everyone can pull it off. It's just a matter of, like, picking the style that suits you best. Right. Because there's a few different, like, aesthetics. There's, like, you know, different styles that you can 
play with. Uh, and I think, you know, it might be some trial and error, which like the trial portion hey, of it yeah. is like tricky because you're like, right. oh, I got to wait until this grows out or whatever. <laughs> right, but like, right, right. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's so easy and I love it. And I, I, like originally I considered, I was like, oh, I'll just get a cut for this trip and then I'll let it grow back. Right. But I'm like, like screw nah. it. I'm going to keep it there you go. for a while. Mm. What is something you think is overrated? Okay, so this is based on the new trailer that just dropped for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Okay, oh, I just gonna... saw the cover, the poster. It looked like a Nickelback album cover. <laughs> I didn't even see that, but uh, I I hesitate to say this because I think I'm gonna get dragged. Oh, but I dragged think... Christie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think Ghostbusters as a franchise is overrated. Wow. I know. Go off. Go Have you queen, seen go Ghostbusters 2? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bobby Brown is on the soundtrack. Yeah, come on. Uh yeah, wait, wait, what's in the new trailer? I haven't I didn't even I saw the, I saw the the thumbnail for a trailer. That's mm-hmm. why I said it looked like a Nickelback album cover. Is the is it the same cast? What's going on? What it doesn't led look you to like this? it. It is uh, one of the kids from Stranger Things. Forget which one. Which Forget one? his name. Oh, Finn Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard. Yeah. Oh, from Vancouver, British Columbia, gang gang. Uh, and Finn Wolfhard three. Wolf harder. Wolf harder. Yeah. <laughs> Wolf the line. Uh, he, <laughs> he and his family moved to this like abandoned or like this old house. Uh, and it turns out that there's a ghost in it. There's a is, there's, <laughs> there's a ghost in it. <laughs> I uh, wish that had been the pitch, Jason. Right the one in. It turns out there's a ghost. There's in it. ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not far off. Okay. They, yeah. Like, they find an old ghost trap, and then Paul Rudd is like, "Wow, that's a ghost trap." Oh, and Paul Rudd too. Paul Rudd's Damn. in it, and uh, there's there's allusions to. The movies from the 80s, uh, but they're like, there hasn't been a ghost around here in 30 years. Right. Yes. But suddenly the ghosts are coming back, so now uh, they need Ghostbusters again. Right. But these ghosts, they're not coming from New York. They're coming from Oklahoma, and they use it's like some of the stuff that's ghosts. actually happening in Oklahoma. Wow. I don't know if the it's like specifically set in Oklahoma. No, the oh. like earthquakes that are like inexplicable. Oh, the fracking one. Yeah, like the from... fracking based oh, earthquakes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, there's like all all of a sudden mysterious earthquakes happening, and but it's not because Wait, we're destroying what, the environment. It's because. But uh, what about ghosts. what about the trailer? To you said, okay, I think I'm starting to see past all of this and go this. This is overrated. Uh, well, what is the it trailer about is overall? more just a catalyst for me to remember that this franchise exists. I've long thought, <laughs> right? Okay, got it. That Ghostbusters is uh, a bit overrated. I don't know. I know they're so beloved, and I don't hate them. Like I, I own Ghostbusters one and two on DVD. Yeah. How dare uh, you? I know. Okay, <laughs> like you, you make sense as a human being. You own yeah. both Ghostbusters right. one and two. Yeah. Uh, um, but I, I, I just, I think. They are very much of the time of their time in terms of just like being the it's like all these first of all, like the EPA is like the villain in the front. They're like right. fuck uh, the EPA. Yes. <laughs> Biggest asshole. They're like these like in movie history. They're like, yeah, let uh, we just love private <laughs> uh, whatever. I don't even private, know. Private yeah. It's almost like a a movie that advocates advocates for the privatization of firemen. Right, it's like, like let's let's get the, yeah like let's right. turn to the private sector let's like yeah. leave our jobs at universities educating but then like and then also like Bill Murray's character as he often is is a creep 
Dr. Renkman? Y- yes. Dr. Renkman, go. Yes, I think go. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say, yeah, Ghostbusters 2, underrated. I think Ghostbusters 1, uh, I'm overrated. Sorry. Peter McNichol. Like in comparison with one another. Yo, sure. No, Peter McNichol okay. as ya- Dr. Janusz Poha. Right. And Ghostbusters 2 is one of my favorite me problematic foreign characters yeah, I've ever too. seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. But he is Vigo. He's Vigo. Yes, but why are you came? <laughs> and the uh, baby is woo. I can say almost all of his lines. I thought. And then when he was on Ally McBeal, I was like, it's the dude from Ghostbusters. Right. <laughs> it's what so both Ghostbusters 2 and uh this Paul Rudd led uh newest sequel have the same issue that they... So Ghostbusters 2 opens with uh, two of the Busters uh, working children's birthday parties. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, that's right. Near, like, a couple years after Shells they saved themselves. the world yeah. from a, the first evidence of supernatural. And Egon could have melted that kid's face with that proton right. pack. I don't know what he was Easily. doing with, <laughs> at a kid's party without that equipment. True. But this movie also like presumes like Paul Rudd has to show them news clips of of the original Ghostbusters and they're like what's this grandpa? Like they, no. they uh which again, this is proof of the afterlife on camera. This would be the only thing anybody talked about for the next 200 oh, if years. There are right. ghost if there are busters. ghosts. So you're right. saying it's ghostbusters. ridiculous that they've like yeah, fallen they've from just, grace. Yeah, that they're just like, <laughs> ah, screw those guys. I reject yeah. the premise outright. Right. Well, also, too, like, if you think about it, if there are ghosts and we accept that, it's only these group of motherfuckers that can handle it. Right. Like, I feel like at that point we would the be exploring CIA this technology. Yeah. Or there would right. be ghostbusters in every country. Like, everybody, like, like law enforcement, everybody has their own style. Like, how do Mexican ghostbusters work? Right. How does a South African ghostbuster work? But that's the thing. They're in the private sector and right. they won't. See? They this won't. is what I'm talking about. And this is, and we're talking about ghost proliferation. <laughs> right. Mm. And then, uh, of course, the, the, the all-female reboot from 2016. That's it. Like... I mean, I appreciate that movie, but it also, I mean, just here's what I'll say. Okay. We did uh, episodes on the Bechtel cast. They are Patreon episodes, so you got to subscribe to the Patreon. You got to support. But uh, we did the Matreon, Mm -hmm. exactly. Um, We did, uh, it was, I think, January of last year. It it was like one or two years ago, but we did Ghost January. So we did the first (laughs) Ghostbusters movie from 84, and then we did. The month of all. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Ghost January. All those dead resolutions. Um, so we did the 84 Ghostbusters, and then on the other episode of that month, we did the 2016 Ghostbusters. So check it out for my, you know, full... Full, yeah, take. Ep- take, yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay. So. Uh, and finally, what is a myth? What's something people Bottom line, no one in here is afraid of no ghosts. Right. I just want to say that. <laughs> right, yeah. right, 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 right. Ain't no Mark-ass Ghostbusters. <laughs> uh, the myth is that... Uh, okay, Uncle Caitlin, a- atheist Uncle Caitlin here coming at you with some anti-Christmas rhetoric. Oh, boy. You heard my AK, the, right? The, uh, yes, yeah. I did. So I am, like, basically Chris Kringle over here. I know, so, so you know. apologies yeah. in advance. The color of his sweat isn't a medical condition. It's green and red for, <laughs> right. for, for the holidays. For the holidays, yeah. yes. Um, my myth just is that uh, Christmas traditions were not invented by Christians. Oh, God. Yep. What? Yes, here's okay. the truth. Like what? 
Christmas trees. Uh-huh. That was a pagan winter solstice tradition that Christians uh, originally condemned for a long time and then um, uh, repurposed for themselves. Right. Okay. Uh, holly, mistletoe, gift giving, feasting. These are oh, all pagan by gosh, by traditions. Fisting. Oh wow! The annual we don't Christmas do that at fisting. My Wait, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> no, I, I said I deliberately feasting. misinterpreted her oh, feasting, wow. and I was uh, too busy to besmirch uh, doing a bad <laughs> to Frank Sinatra winter joke. solstice. Uh, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense when you think of it. Like, so the winter solstice is like the point at which uh, I think Dan Harmon <laughs> called it the the point at which Earth is trying to kill you the hardest. Like, and so. It's a celebration. It's like our time to go indoors and celebrate like our ability to Save withstand. Fuck you, Earth. Yeah, basically. And then pollute the fuck out yeah. of it. And yeah, and like bring a tree indoors and be like, we oh, fuck the outdoors, right, right, right. man. We're <laughs> got my tree in here. Yeah, it's do a, some God. It's like the the peak of unnaturalism. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, we <laughs> we don't need the outdoors. Fuck mother. What about nature. what um. Santa, right, is from the Bible, if I recall correctly. Santa is the one exception. Yeah. Santa is a right. biblical figure. But they see what they did. They broke it up into three people. The wise men, I believe, are Santa. Uh-huh. Right. Sure. That's what I said in class. Oh, that's and interesting. I got an A. Yeah. Damn. That's a that's an interesting thesis, Miles. <laughs> My thesis, uh, yes, Professor, the three wise men are Santa. Right. And that's it. <laughs> Signed Miles Gray. Do I have my degree now? I think if you if you the three or three wise men could anagram to Santa and then something else. Like right. other stuff. The I'll figure it out. Santa Claus. <laughs> There's yeah. no A though in three wise men. My man oh three wise man. Oh the, shit. Fuck. The wise Never man. Mind. All right, forget yeah. it. The... All right, maybe Santa no was made up by corporations for us to buy Santa stuff. Santa Claus with a W. Ooh. Uh, anyways, guys, we're gonna we're gonna figure this out. Uh, we're also gonna talk more gift giving. Uh, but first, Caitlin, I'm gonna ask you uh, to just sit tight for a moment because I have to talk to my good friend Miles Gray over there. Miles, mm. it's Jack, mm-hmm. your friend from work well, and colleague, well, coworker. Yep. I anyways, like I want to tell you about HelloFresh. Hey, speaking Let's of keep fresh, it profesh profesh. for HelloFresh. Um, I already know about HelloFresh. Did you, you know that it's America's number one meal kit? No, actually, I didn't. It is. Oh, well, I, look, that makes sense. I look, the thing about <laughs> the thing about HelloFresh for me is whether you're like super skilled or just a beginner, the recipes are really easy to use. Obviously, I'm super skilled. I'm nearly a Michelin starred chef in North Hollywood. <laughs> that's true. Um, that's, that's what right. I always say to everybody I meet. The thing with me with HelloFresh, I just like that it's flexible with a lot of meal kits. You never know how much how big your appetite is. Right. So sometimes you may get a recipe that you need a little bit more. So with HelloFresh, you can add extra meals to your weekly order or you can even have little add-ons to make it a little more lit like some garlic bread or some cookies. Ooh. You can do a little dessert and also it's flexible in the sense that if you ever need to change your delivery day like maybe one day you said, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to be eating I'm going out this weekend or something. I don't want my I don't want to waste the food. You can shift the days, you can shift the food preferences. You can even skip a week if you know you are going to be wined and dined by Hollywood's elite. I mean, today's episode we're talking about Golden Globe noms, mm-hmm. but right Uh-oh. now we're talking about Golden Nom noms. Oh boy. <laughs> hey, oh. Call the police. Uh, I also want to talk about uh the fact Jeez. 
that they, I mean, this is a basic value proposition of uh, HelloFresh is you get to say goodbye to the endless grocery store trips and take out food and mm-hmm. get to actually do something with your hands. I am not a Michelin star chef. I am a chain restaurant level chef. Okay, uh, line cook. That's yeah, still, line cook. That still takes level. skill. Uh, but HelloFresh has uh, more five-star recipes than any other meal kit, so you know you'll get something delicious yes. that your uh, family will enjoy, that you will enjoy. What's a recipe you like? Say it on three. One. Oh, really? Yeah. You, you, you... We gotta make sure we're on the same page. Okay. One, two, two three. three. Chicken, chicken cheddar fajitas. Chicken fajitas. Yeah, yep. I was calling it something different, but it's so. that one that has the, right. you melt the cheese on the tortilla, yes. and then put that on, and uh-huh. then you put a little uh, pepper on top. Yes. Yep, a little chili, yeah. Now, back when I was growing up, we used to do something called cheese flats. They were just little tortillas with cheese on them in the oven. Uh, but this is a more advanced version. Of Wait, that. cheese flats would just be a tortilla with <laughs> yeah, cheese with on it. Like, Time on. for cheese flats. Yeah, and that was like a part of any balanced the meal. The Wheeling, West Virginia diet. That is, that's where they were invented. Actually, hey. we actually had a family meeting about what we were going to name that meal. Uh, <laughs> wow. Che- I suggested cheese eyeballs, but my sister beat me <laughs> with cheese, cheese flats, and I'll never forgive her. Very literal. I respect to her vocabulary, too, yeah. unless she was like much older at the time. Uh, she was 23 she was in her 30s. And her, she was in graduate school. <laughs> and she never let me forget it, just <laughs> rubbing it in my face. Anyways, you guys, check out HelloFresh. It's a great service, and you can get nine free meals with HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com slash TDZ9 and using code TDZ9, as in the Daily Zeitgeist, and nine free meals. Yeah. Oh, wait. They get nine free meals? I know. This seems like oh. it might be a typo, but until they tell us that it's a typo, uh, we're going to tell our listeners that you get nine free meals get with HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com slash TDZ9 and using code TDZ9. All right. As in nine free meals. Yes. And now uh, let's transport ourselves back to this daily zeitgeist studio. Where you aren't just, you are no longer a world-class chef. Right. You are just Jack O'Brien. You are no longer hearing those fresh and delicious sounding sound effects that super producer Dan was going to find. All right. Enough of all of that business. Uh, let's talk. The business uh, of food. The, the business of food. I do want to talk about one gift uh, the hottest gift of the season uh, for problematic bays. Uh, Peloton yeah. has, yeah, they're they're having a bit of an issue right now. So uh, we talked about the ad, the uh, how it's like sort of this uncannily ill uh, executed fever dream world. Fever dream, where yeah. We don't know what's up and down. The best Black Mirror episode since season two. Who is the audience? Who is the perspective? Whose right. perspective what is this is through? There's so many going questions. on. Have you guys done the Peloton ad episode of Bechdel Cast? Because <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that. Um, I don't know what Peloton is. I'm looking it up right now. Oh, wait. Oh, hold no. on. Well, please yeah, hold. We did this for one second. your uh, co-host just of yesterday. the Bechdelcast oh, just is. yesterday. Okay. It's time for you to, to catch up. Uh, <laughs> we're going to pause for a moment while Caitlin watches the Peloton ad. And we're back. And so, Caitlin yeah. has just okay, taken the seen uh, it. ad in. Straight into your veins. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the critiques, Miles, you were pointing out that some people think she may be a prisoner. A uh, prisoner. We don't know if... He's like, yeah, get on that bike and then give me a vlogging update book report at the end so we can check on your physical appearance or something. Also, we don't know, again, who 
It's like uh, we don't know who this ad is for, right? Or who the, who benefits from it? The right. Person, who, the passive buyer of the gift for another. To I think use? it's trying to convince it's, husbands that it's okay to buy it for your wife and that she's going to be grateful to you and report back to you. Hey, ha- right? Because well, the, you- Im- <laughs> the implication of is like, here I'm buying you this exercise machine is like <laughs> for you to a subtle way to be exercise. like, I, yeah, maybe yes. I don't like the way you look, and maybe you should ex. Yeah, that's like the implication of yeah. the ad. Yeah, but then something. she's also like, hooray for this opportunity. Right. But then there's like moments where her face is pained, and she's yeah. like, here we go again. Yeah, <laughs> she's so nervous about. The idea of Peloton in a way that makes Peloton seem like more loaded almost. Yeah. And then just to your point, Caitlin, the implication is, no, it's none of that. Like, I don't like the way you look. It's that I think your life needs more meaning. Yeah. <laughs> seems to be like what you seem to be just going through the motions here. Right. Why don't you, yeah. hop, on Why do you hop on this Peloton and let you... a woman with an eight pack scream at you <laughs> through an iPad and now you have reached a higher level of enlightenment. So this <laughs> this has been a story since they dropped this uh viral marketing campaign. Yeah, around Thanksgiving. Around Thanksgiving, people were just there's just like something ineffably fucked up about the whole world in the, which yeah. the ad takes place. I feel like all the takes at the beginning of last week were like, did y'all see that fucking <laughs> right. Peloton ad? Yeah, yeah. And then people were like, hold too. on, let's break this down. Yeah. It was like around Tuesday, Wednesday. Then it's like, what the fuck, Peloton? Yeah. Then and slowly then their money started losing money. Yeah, they lost a billion dollars in market <gasps> capitalization or market value because, uh, well, it was a couple things. One, this was part of their campaign to like bring Peloton to the masses, and so they were lowering their price while also like you know breaking out this brilliant marketing strategy, <laughs> and people were like, "Oh, that's this is not going to be good for you," and so they lost over a billion dollars. Uh, and now uh, there is some continued it's like fallout. The third wave of fallout. Right. <laughs> third wave Peloton uh, <laughs> edge. Activism. Activism. Uh, so the wife from the ad, the our the, protagonist. His wife. Uh, yes, yeah, his wife. His wife. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, she is appearing in a new gin ad. Aviation gin. Aviation gin from Ryan Reynolds. Uh, so, you know, the fact that it was tweeted by Ryan Reynolds helped this ad like immediately gain uh, traction. And then it's just a pretty straightforward ad where she uh, appears to be somebody who has the worst husband in the world out for drinks with her friends. Clearly here. Actually, let's take another quick break. <laughs> another break. I'll show Caitlin yes. and Caitlin then we'll come back. It. OK, so we're back. We're back. We've watched the gin ad. It's uh, when I watch it again, it's a little it's a lot darker actually. Oh yeah, because well she's toasting to new beginnings, which and she has like a you know, the thousand yard stare that people have after they come back from war. So <laughs> there is sort of an implication that her marriage has fallen apart. Maybe? Her marriage to the guy who, who gave her, her a Peloton. 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 Yeah. Okay, right. Because it, I guess it, if we're if this is the reality, if we're in the same advertising universe, uh-huh. this woman was in a terrible relationship with a potentially abusive partner. Right. Uh, her friends are now all by her side, saying, mm-hmm. "Let's drink our thing." 
they're acting very awkward too. Like they like maybe the situation is so intense they might not even be equipped to be there for her. Right. right. So I don't know that it feels the way they're so awkward about it almost makes me think that the reality is much darker than even the one in the Peloton ad. <laughs> right. And then I'm also like. Well then, what's Ryan Reynolds doing now with like the like riding this wave of criticism to then be like, yeah, dude, she's a she's a haunted woman. Right. Also, drink this gin. Right. Like, yeah. It was uh, like another layer. She's being like doubly exploited now. Like, yeah, right. get her to be the victim for my gin commercial. Yeah. The Peloton ad, the initial Peloton ad, has become a text that you can then assume everybody understands the implication of, basically, uh, and. Of course, there are weird capitalist uh, motives and, you know, alternate uh, ideas beneath the surface. But uh, even the husband now uh, has stepped out and is complaining. Uh, so Peloton clearly didn't sign the performers in their original ad to any sort of like NDA or uh, non-computer <laughs> anything. NDA? No, I don't play basketball. They're just openly shitting all over uh, yeah. the original Peloton ad that was released like a week ago. The guy who played Faceless uh, Husband, mm -hmm. uh, Sean Hunter, he is an actor and elementary school teacher oh. in Vancouver. Yeah. There's a lot of Vancouver energy going on because Ryan Reynolds is also from Vancouver, too. I have a oh, feeling this must have been a Canadian production, which is how he probably knew all these actors. Anyway, so in it, he has been talking about how his like life has just basically not been upended, but he, he thought things were going in a much different direction prior mm -hmm. to it. In the beginning, people were so stoked for him. They're like, oh, my God, you're going to be part of this huge ad campaign. You made it. He said, he, quote, my acting coach messaged me after seeing the video and said that I looked great. We shared a positive discussion about my part in the commercial and her advice helped me endeavor of helped me in my endeavor of becoming a better actor as I hold her opinion highly. A few of my com comments from my friends came in and the overall consensus was that it was awesome. But a few days ago, that all changed. Reviews from my friends stopped as the video went viral. I soon noticed that the commercial had several thousand downvotes as the tweets came out and talk shows weighed in. Quote, absolutely 100% chance that the husband in the Peloton ad is abusive, end quote. Quote, she would rather be anywhere else in the world than here in her glacial home with the husband she loathes, end quote. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. My five seconds of airtime created an array of malicious feedback that is all associated with my face. My friend texted me today, today declaring that I'm, quote, a symbol of the patriarchy, end quote. Quote, we have the chance to make hashtag Peloton husband a meme. As my face continues to be a screenshot online, I wonder what repercussions will come back to me. I pride myself on being a great teacher and developing actor, blah, 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 blah. So right. he was sort of going on with like, I honestly didn't say anything. I didn't say, like, now I'm fucking this dude. I'm the evil. I'm Peloton husband. Yeah. And then did you see the uh, statement from the child who plays the five-year-old? <laughs> What do you, what do you yeah, that's it. I believe it too. That's the only other yeah. person in the ad, but she has not come out and said anything. Or the instructor on the bike who said her name, which is like, right. she says my name. She goes, I actually, Grace in Boston. Yeah. yeah, didn't say her name. Well, it makes you Prayers wonder. up to Grace in Boston. <laughs> yeah. She looks haunted. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great if that's what the instructor said. I mean, if I had to hazard a guess, it would be that the creative team behind this ad was predominantly men what? and that they did I know and that they didn't really think about what the implications of the ad would be oh yeah right 
uh, nor did apparently the people participating in the ad. And, and you know, a lot of times it's like they need a paycheck. You know, they're struggling actors and then they'll get what roles are given to them. Right. But, I mean, the, 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 the guy who plays a husband just being like, I can't believe it. It's like, well, did you read the script? Yeah. Did you see the ad? Well, I wonder right. too, because it's probably a lot harder to glean from the script. Like you could in your mind, if you're thinking in terms of how a, ad would actually operate You're like right. oh it's about this woman who gets a bike and she's so she like loves her life now right, right. and but then when you see how it's edited <laughs> and like and her, executed, how she's yeah. being directed because he was probably only there for those two shots like one when she comes down the stairs and the right. next one when they're on the couch so i don't know how he saw that not to defend him but i also <laughs> but from to your point the way it is written is from a dude who thinks the the way to solve your issue if you're unhappy with how your wife looks is to get her an exercise bike right, right. and there's no examination of what that means to how you look at a relationship, how you view someone's agency to be what in whatever physical shape they want to be. Yeah. Because it's sort of like, yeah, get that. And then she's going to love it. And then, boom, you're you're like a winner. Right. right. But it's so unclear because even their point of view is so murky. Right. The commercials. Mo- well, they've written the ad so that she is uh, resistant to the idea of Peloton to begin with. So by implication, like you're getting... Just this idea that he is pushing her towards this. She wasn't like, I want a Peloton. Please, yeah, please, please yeah. get me a Peloton. <laughs> and then he got her a Peloton. And then she was like, this yes. is the best thing that ever happened to me. It's She's like, like oh, a I'm really nervous about this. <laughs> right? What's what? going to happen to me? She's like, my first ride. I'm so nervous. It's like, you're not about to go skydiving. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're going <laughs> to you... pedal a bike a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And like, you're a free stationary to, bike. You're free to stop at any time. Right. And I mean, there's also another sort of miscalculation on the part of the men who made this ad is that, like, I think with other uh, active hobbies, that this ad could have worked, but there's something dystopian about a stationary anything, like something where you're just like working like a rat at a wheel, like on a wheel, just like working. And there's a like person who like says your name and you're being judged. Like there is something inherently generating credits. (laughs) There literally is a black mirror episode about this on the bike. So generating credits, right? Isn't also in like, uh, Kimmy Schmidt, like the confinement that they're in at the beginning, isn't there some sort of like exercise bike that like it's a generates crank. Oh, yeah. like yeah, it's like a generator. Oh right, that's how they powered <laughs> that's, that. Right, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's and the they just sh- have to keep going. Yeah, that's actually like one of the darker like <laughs> philosophical moments is because she's like, I just keep pretending like the next crank is the last one, and then I can just go as hard as I possibly can. Right, and that's actually like true of endurance athletes. Like if you have have a worse memory or like if people who have certain like damage to their brain are really good distance runners because they just are purely in the moment and aren't thinking about like how much longer this is going to be. Oh, wow. Mm. So like Kimmy, very deep stuff uh, <laughs> about how <laughs> awful exercises. This is, uh, I can't. I honestly feel like we could do a whole episode on this commercial. I think this should be the podcast from now on. <laughs> just, <laughs> just the nonstop ranting. Peloton. Yeah. Well, investigative know. journalism into the reality in which these people live. We're mm-hmm. always looking for ways into the zeitgeist, and I think this ad, for whatever reason, has proven to be. What well, so many things because it's the advertising. It's this bike that so many people either swear by with this form of exercise, and like it's it's everything. It's well, yeah, everything I now. mean, like in the future, like. 
hundreds of years from now, I feel like the thing that people will study to understand our culture will probably be advertisements because it's like yeah, they're like this the most money, the most world. like energy and like <laughs> you know thinking that our society is doing going into like you know appealing to people and making statements about people. Well, also in a hundred years, I think everyone will have a Peloton because we'll all be living in like underground bunkers <laughs> right. Right. because right. we fucked the environment up right. so badly that we can't live above ground. Yeah. So like, yeah, everyone's don't want your just muscles to atrophy. Like a, yeah, right. you got to get a stationary bike. Hey, we'll when all is... be powering the hydrogen generation machine. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Caitlin, I'm sorry. I mean, number 2238-CD. <laughs> what time is your labor shift? <laughs> Wait, do yeah. trees generate hydrogen or oxygen? Oxygen? Oxygen. Yeah, That's through the photosynthesis? Good one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I get those mixed up. Oh. Um, <laughs> Someone doesn't have a master's in treeology. <laughs> yeah. Teriology. Uh, uh, all right. So in, in the remaining few minutes that we have uh, for our second section where we usually discuss the hard-hitting stories, <laughs> Miles, you yeah. are uh, our hard-hitting expert. Hard-hitting what, what expert. What do you want to cover? Uh, I mean, in, in terms of impeachment. Girl, I'm talking about impeaching this creep. Mm. Thank you. I feel, I don't know, right now it's the... Yesterday in the Judiciary Committee, they were doing the hearings where the legal counsel to each side from the Intel Committee hearings was basically laying out their case in front of uh, the committee. And it was just basically on one side, you have the Democrat lawyer basically laying out an actual legal case and arguments as to like, this is what's said. This is why we believe it's an abuse of power. This is why you need to impeach them. And then the Republican lawyer, Castor, that just guy goes up and just like says, reads things as if they're bad, like just the tone. Yeah. So like a, an innocuous sentence would just sort of, but like read with the tone of, but then in June of 2019, the president told Zelensky that he wasn't going to allow the aid to flow unless he investigated the Bidens. Right. Now, I don't know. <laughs> right. And you're like, you just said the bad part out right. loud in the form of like, you're questioning it. Right. It was very frustrating and just such. Yeah. And they like. So cynical. They have the same. So they adopting the same sort of outraged tone of like cross-examining that Democrats used for people who were actually revealing details. And I get it's theatrical. Incriminating. Yeah. And but they are like, as you pointed out yesterday when we came in. They the Republicans were doing the same thing to the Democratic lawyer, uh, like doing like an exasperated Southern lawyer who's just outraged at the clear guiltiness and uh, irrationality of the people he's questioning. But his question was, how did you find out that Nunes was making these phone calls? Yeah, it's like that left harness. And it's basically like, who told you that? Why, why, why did you decide to do that? Right. But like, what do the you mean? The thing that like I'm look- successfully found your crimes? Because I'm looking at it and I go, wait, what's this DC number? Right. Hold mm-hmm. on. What? Devin Nunes? Yeah, but who told you to do that? Right. Was it you or Adam Schiff? <laughs> it's huh? like, it, why does that? I don't know, man. Are you disputing the call or what? Because right. now you're just mad that we found out. Right. So it's just a ton of, you know, it, it goes on. I'm sure there'll be even more nonsense coming out of there, but it's, you know. A lot of gish galloping. Uh, shout out to Andrew T. Yeah, but the then without gallop. any without any substance to latch onto. Like usually, if you're doing that, hitting someone with a bunch of wrong takes, so you like overwhelm them with how they're gonna rebut everything. 
there are things you can catch on to, but this was just sort of like say he was just saying a bunch of stuff, right? That I wasn't even sure what the logic. He path said that was. Yeah. he said that the Democratic lawyer had donated millions to Democrats, and he had to like stop, and like one of the Democratic, uh, you know, people, one of the Democratic politicians, had to cede time so that he could be like, I didn't donate anywhere close yeah, to, a, to million a million dollars. dollars. What the fuck are you talking about? And then, like, go through systematically, but by the end of his, like, systematic refutation of something that was shouted at him in, like, 15 seconds in a Southern accent, you're kind of like, all right, nerd, whatever, yeah. like, on to the next thing. The other thing, too, is that guy, Castor, the Republican's lawyer, he just had, like, the flimsiest defense. Like, he really, like, when he was talking about, I can rebut all these assertions or, like, these claims about the president's behavior— the one he's really trying to go for, which is ap- like a total lie, verifiably a fabrication, is this defense of Trump of like why this whole thing isn't bad. He goes, at the time of the July 25th call, senior officials in Kiev did not know that the security assistance was paused. They did not learn it was paused until the pause was reported publicly in the U.S. on August 28th. And basically saying that, that his idea is that that matters because if the Ukrainians didn't know then there's no way there could have been any coercion on the on the side of Trump. However, and then what he says to back this up, he goes, Kurt Volker, who actually testified right. uh, in front of the Intel Committee, said his testimony was, quote, I believe that the Ukrainians became aware of the hold on August 29th, not before. That is the first date or that is the first time any of them asked me about the hold. But then after the next day after Volker said that one of the officials from the Pentagon was completely just blew that narrative up and said, uh, that on the, July 25th, the call, the date of the call, her staff was informed at the Pentagon on that day that the State Department told the Pentagon that the Ukrainian embassy, the U- diplomatic body that is in the United States, asked them, like, what, what's going on? We are aware of this situation. Right. But they are still being like, well, they didn't know. And that's why it can't be abuse of power. Right. Uh, but then we're saying, no, they did know. What, what are you saying, sir? Yeah. And then he'll continue to be like, but then on July 25th, the embassy said they were aware of a situation. Yeah. I rest my case. Right. Right. It's all about uh, impeachment process and the idea of a functioning media, like somebody who's paying attention to all of this and giving you like a summary of what is happening has all just broken apart because the entire Republican side is just like full of bad faith, like running out the clock and just saying things to oh, yeah. have something out there that can be turned into a soundbite on Fox News. And so. yeah, the thing that you saw too is when uh, Goldman, the lawyer for the Democrats, was presenting his case. It's like, oh, there's facts on this side of this argument or this debate. Right. Then when the Republicans go up, Castor was basically trying to use legalese to like articulate a rebuttal, which was just simply not like, right. but in fancy words, there was nothing of substance that actually refuted anything. It's just, it's a mess. Look, bottom line, the president abuses power to uh, coerce a government to launch an illegal investigation that would help him in 2020. He's cheating at the election. Right. Yep. Boom. Doesn't sound like him. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I get it. People are so worn down. They're like, yeah, I don't know. And like, there's uh... like kids dying at the border. And like, we don't right. give a fuck about the rest of the earth. Yeah, what else is new? Right. And that's the problem we're at is because it's just throw it on the fucking pile right. of a bunch of shit that has everybody completely disillusioned and disheartened about this whole situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I keep 
thinking back about that uh, New Yorker article I talk about sometimes, this Rebecca Mead is like a journalist who's from London, who became a U.S. citizen right before Trump became president, but then moved back. And her partner is somebody who's like an expert on like the rise of Nazism. And he he realized like right when the Republicans started opposing Obamacare and just like their perspective came untethered from reality. He was like, Oh, we're headed in a direction where like this whole system is completely broken. Like this is going Mm -hmm. to be like the rise of like authoritarianism essentially. And like you realize that when Obamacare was like being approved and it just seems like, yeah, the things that he recognized back then are the things that are now coming to bear. Like that Trump is just aware and like the Republicans who support Trump are just aware like, oh, yeah, you there, there's nothing to hold us accountable if we have this Fox News thing like right. there. You can impeach us. Yeah. Well, because the second it truly does be like, OK, now we have two compete. We have reality. And then we have the thing that helps you bites. rationalize, yeah. like, why you think a certain way. Yeah. Um, also known as reality. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to take a, another quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. And uh, there's continued fallout. We, I think on yesterday's episode, yeah. we're talking about the IG report uh, that Barr had, you know, tried to put together, uh, done everything in his power to get a report that made it seem as though the beginning the, yeah. of the Russia investigation was corrupt. And, and that, like, yeah, everything President Trump says is true. Right. Essentially. So he yeah. doesn't have to look like someone who's dealing conspiracy theories and abject corruption. Right. And we said, you know, we we got trailers, teasers last week saying, hey, you know what? Uh, this report is not going to be as sexy as y'all thought. It's going to be pretty fact-based, in which case there is no deep state issue here. And it was a fully legal investigation. So now the report has officially been released. And I will just read this one line from the De- uh, Department of Justice Inspector General Michael Horowitz, referring to the investigations into George Papadopoulos, Michael Flynn, Paul Manafort, and Carter Page, the beginnings of the 2016 Russia investigation. Quote, we did not find documentary or testimonial evidence that political bias or improper motivation influenced the decisions to open the four individual investigations. Oh, no. That's the opposite. Bill Barr wanted to hear there's an FBI deep state problem where... Democrats are wielding their law enforcement abilities to smear this president and wiretap and all this. They so, didn't just say there wasn't like a technical, like technically something wrong that happened. They couldn't find any evidence of political bias or even improper motivation. Yeah, they, they did find one very low level lawyer who completely fucked up on some paperwork with Carter right. Page, uh, his surveillance, his FISA warrant or his FISA order. But the thing with that is it, that even. If you even take that part, it wasn't necessarily a, uh, an integral part of that investigation. Even if you remove that, a lot of the information that came out is completely, it's, it's inconsequential. Mm-hmm. So Bill Barr, of course. He, What's we, his summary? How does well, he summarize Well, we saw what he it? did to the Mueller report where he's like completely <laughs> exonerates the president. And it was like, no, fool. <laughs> well, he did the exact same thing. This is what Bill Barr says. The inspector general's report now makes clear that the FBI launched an intrusive investigation of a U.S. presidential campaign on the thinnest of suspicions that, in my view, were insufficient to justify the steps taken. 
So, uh, case closed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, essentially, it's really fucked up. This is like, <laughs> this is exactly the kind of attorney general that Trump wanted when uh, Jeff Sessions was in office. Right. Was like someone who's like, I need you to just Do fucking be dirt. my hype man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need you to be spliff star of the flip mode squad <laughs> and fucking just scream it out from the side and back me up when I do this shit. I need you to be the street corner colonel. But then this is what he has now. Someone who literally goes, the first line of the IG report, we did not find documentary or, te- documentary or t- uh, testimonial evidence. Then he says, the inspector general, I mean, it's- Now it's- makes clear that the FBI launched an intrusive- Yeah, so it's just, it is uh, what we thought it was. Yeah, and I guess this is, again, another person why we need to, compl- we need to be looking at Bill Barr's actions among everyone else because there's so many people involved at this point at every level to try and obscure like our reality or what's what the president's motivations are and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, there's not a single person here who isn't completely just uh, D- fully swamped DNA at this point. Mm. In the words of uh, the movie, The Irishman, it is what it is or it's what it is. It, they said it's they do, it's what uh, it is a and they say it multiple mm. times in a way that implies that that is like the most damning thing that can be said in a mafia in ma- mafia parlance it's what it is it's what it is and he's like wait he said that wait it, it's what he it is he said it's what it is and then it does eventually mean that somebody is completely fucked but oh it's what it is yeah it's the way the mafia uh, and the zeitgeist uh communicates it is we just what say things very vaguely it is what it is what it's. <laughs> i mean no me it is what it's or it's. the uh it's what it's yeah it's yeah. what it's yeah uh let's talk about this art fiasco in miami in miami dude art basil so miami's like a big part of the art scene Apparently. Yeah, well, the art there's art Bas there's the wheel in Basel in Switzerland, right? But then this is for a bunch of like people trying to escape the snow to go somewhere to buy more art right. in December. This yes. Is what art Basel is? If I'm, I mean, real it's what it. it's, it's what it's, <laughs> it's you know, it's what it's, it's what it is. <laughs> uh, so there was a piece called The Artist that had everybody a flutter because it was essentially a piece. It was a, a banana duct taped to a wall, and it sold for one hundred twenty thousand. Now, um, or no, so it's called the comedian. I believe that's what the name of the uh, piece was. I'm so sorry. Uh, why don't you leave the jokes to us, guys? Yeah, <laughs> sorry. This joke sucks. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait. So, did they just go up to the wall of the art museum? Did they produce a chunk of wall and tape the? No, no, it's just on the wall right there. So if How you bought the you piece, to buy you, that? Just, you just cut it out. Jigsaw? Cut the wall out, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nope. What? Super producer Anna Hosnier has more information on the subject. So super producer Anna Hosnier is pointing out that in the art world, like in the modern art world, where sometimes uh, just like pissing on something or painting the word armut on a, uh, on a urinal, which was like a hugely influential piece of art in the early 20th century. Uh-huh. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> was uh, that like just the concept is what you're buying. You're buying a certificate that gives you the right to recreate that art wherever the fuck you want to uh, with the artist, essentially. Um, but so you don't, it's not because that banana is going to go bad was my next question. Oh, it's going to go all the way. Well, that's why this other guy came up to it and ate the banana off the wall. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh. 
He just took the banana off and was like, well, I'm doing a performance art piece called The Hungry Artist. Uh, and so I consumed this piece. And and people were like, oh, okay. That guy was just kicked out. He was just kicked out? Yeah. And they taped up another banana? Uh, well, they, they what they did was they put a piece of duct tape that said, we'll be right back, because they didn't want to inspire anyone else to just keep doing it. They're right. like, okay, mm -hmm. you've had your fun. We're not going to tape another piece back. However... To make it fully 2019, this other guy named Rod Weber, this artist goes up with lipstick and wrote with his finger, Epstein didn't kill himself <laughs> on the wall where that piece was. Mm -hmm. What did he name that? The philosopher? No, he the... just did it. I mean, that. yeah, I don't know if he had <laughs> an art detective? piece, but he himself is also another conceptual artist or performance artist. Uh -huh. The thing was, the fucking people at the thing, they covered it up like it was a murder scene, like with a sheet, uh -huh. and he was arrested. Oh, the Epstein thing? Yeah. The guy no, was like, the I mean, police took him away. I mean, versus the, the guy who ate it, hey, get the fuck out of here. The guy who wrote up Epstein didn't kill himself, police, please, sir, come get this man. Yeah. I wonder if that has anything to do with the incredible number of people who hang out at art museums who probably had a frequent flyer miles on the Lolita. Express. I mean, art is a great way to shield yourself from taxes. Yeah. You know, buying a, a lot of art. But the the it's weird in the Miami Herald, one of the Miami papers, like first one people uh I f I think it was Boston Magazine or someone, they were just sort of like artist writes Epstein didn't kill himself. In the one of the Miami papers, it was like someone vandalizes wall with message about Epstein. Huh. <laughs> and it wasn't until like you read in it, they actually have the quote of what was written. But it was yeah. weird to just sort of right. the difference Message tonally of like Epstein. something regarding Epstein. Yeah. Also, you know, points <laughs> to you for doing the 2019 meme of the year. Also, he didn't kill himself. Right. But uh, some points are knocked off because he misspelled Epstein's name. Oh, yeah. gee whiz. Uh, back to the banana thing. Uh, a couple things here. Um, if you want to make a piece of art and call it the comedian, uh, you should just paint my face. Hey! hey! Watch out! Uh oh, that would sell for one twenty. <laughs> Thank you so much. And then secondly, um, the one hundred twenty thousand uh, dollar banana art. Uh, I'm reminded of that episode of Arrested Development when Lucille Bluth. It's like they're talking about like the banana stand and like <laughs> right. the banana, and she's like. Well, it's one banana. What could it cost? Ten dollars? <laughs> <laughs> just no. Concept. She just has no idea no, how yeah, much yeah. a banana would cost. Love yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a great. I, I forget who did this, but uh, somebody who interviewed celebrities used to ask them to like guess how much a gallon of milk cost. And there was well, Bill Gates was on. I think Ellen. Yeah, or somewhere. One of my favorite uh, comedian. Great show for one percenters to yeah. yuck it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing that she did that because yeah. she's like, we don't know. This is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. He he guessed that like he was really spot on with like pizza rolls or something. Like he knew, but he did not know milk. <laughs> right. Well, milk is. He's like, do, do people still drink that? That's yeah. Absurd to me, sir. I thought I canceled milk. Huh, um, they're still making that. All right. Well. Oh no! Out. He thought pizza rolls cost twenty two dollars per roll for a bag of pizza rolls. I don't know, twenty two bucks. <laughs> Rice aroni five bucks a box. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. No, that's probably true. At Erewhon. I mean, maybe? adjusted for inflation today. Right. Oh, he yeah. knew yeah. this Floss. economy. He knew dental floss. He guessed it was four dollars. It was three dollars and seventy eight cents. All right. Huh. So. Really? Yeah. Dental floss? What kind well, of dental floss? According to this one. Like uh, the most expensive, like high-end 
billionaire dental floss? It's weird. I have not. It's called Signature Care. So it seems like an off-brand. It's not like, I don't know. It's not a name brand. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. I think that's like a, a signature store care. brand. Yeah, right? Huh. Krogery? Maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It is I who doesn't know the cost of dental floss. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. it is. Perhaps it is uh, perhaps. I who steals dental floss from the store. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. It is what it is. It's it, what it's, it's what. It's what it's. <laughs> um, I think it's because I've never used the dental floss my dentist gives me to the point of running out of it. Mm. Uh, R.I.P. to Carol Spiney. Carol Spinney, Spinney, who was the puppeteer inside of Big Bird. Yeah. Uh, He's 85. Yeah, passed away Sunday at the age of 85. Hmm. Was the one and only, right? I feel like, I mean, I don't know if, if he had retired up until that point, but I right. imagine possibly. Right. There, There's this, this one quote I just read where he said, I used to say, from him, he said, I used to say I'd move on to something greater. I wouldn't leave this for anything, but I'd like to keep doing it until I can't hold that bird's head up. Big Bird. Oh, mm. Big Bird. You know, one of the candidates or one of the uh, <laughs> characters, one of the candidates for the Democratic nomination, yeah. who I support. One of the uh, Sesame Street characters who still holds up. Like Grover has been fully replaced by Elmo in like Grover. There's no Grover. What do you mean, like in Children's Hearts? Yeah, in Children's Hearts. Oh, like Grover oh. was I I, like when you look Grover. back at like books from like the eighties. Yeah, a lot of Grover. Grover was very Grover centric universe and. I don't think Bert and Ernie too. I don't think my three year old could pick Grover out of a lineup. Well, Tickle Me Elmo fucking vaporized yeah. all the other characters. Yeah. yeah, they all all those other Sesame Street those Muppets got drinking problems. Right, Tickle Me Elmo. <laughs> they're like, yo, we ain't shit anymore. But Big Bird is still front and center. <laughs> is yeah. uh, is Oscar the Grouch still around? Yeah, I really identify strongly with I loved Oscar him. the yeah. Grouch. Oscar is still there. Yeah, still out oh, good, here. Good, good. I loved. Yeah, I mean, Ernie. but Oscar is such a like iconic like such a clear representation of he's the only one who's allowed to be mean <laughs> like it's like yeah like of course that's gonna be is he mean? i guess bert not mean but like ne- yeah. have negative feelings yeah, that he yeah, respe- yeah he expresses on a consistent basis and maybe bert but not really uh so like it makes sense that uh oscar w- would still be kind of iconic but Big Bird I mean, is in like the trash can. Big Bird. I guess Big Bird's sort of the protagonist. Yeah, I mean, he was always. He, I mean, from when I was watching in like the '80s and like a lot of those episodes from the late '70s yeah. and '80s, I was watching as a kid was typically around him mm-hmm. learning everything. Yeah, and then other people began to get their shine. You know, I just want to say I was always. I always thought Big Bird was was pretty chill. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Bert and Ernie saying. got Bert and Ernie got a lot of shine too. Yeah, you know, put down the ducky was a big moment. Oh, yeah, sure. uh, but you know. Some of us uh, still remember when Big Bird went to Japan. Oh, I know. Yeah, even though it was kind of culturally inaccurate, but he was there. <laughs> wait, wait, what was culturally inaccurate? I felt like there was one part I was just sort of like, as a kid, even I was like, this is an interesting take on Japan, but it's for kids, you know, they, right. they can't get complex. Yeah, yeah. I have to watch it again. People are like, oh, have you seen it now? I'm like, oh, right. this is all wrong. Shout but out yeah. to them for not overthinking his name also. Because everybody else has. Well, it was it was developed by like all child learning development right. experts, wasn't it? Like that. But was every why other was... character has a, yeah has a name, and they're just like, nah, that's that's Big Bird. <laughs> that's, that's just a big ass <laughs> bird right there. Ah, yeah. Wait, Snuffleupagus. That's a a Sesame Street character, right? Yeah. Or is that mm-hmm. something else? That's okay. Big Bird's homie. Yeah, they're tight. Yeah. What happened to Snuffleupagus? <laughs> He's still out here. But... He partying with yeah. on, on the street. He's still on the block. 
Yeah, he's still on the block. Thank God. Is you've seen Snuffleupagus recently, like in latter day productions? But not he's not like, like he used a to. hugely significant character. Although See, he's being phased out. Right. Uh, all because he had a drug habit. As Dave Chappelle said. <laughs> Come on, bird. Uh, sick bird. Well, guys, I mean, we're almost out of time, but we have to talk about the Globe Noms. Globe oh, Nom Noms. Globe Noms, Grief. basically like early Christmas here in Tinseltown. I mean, it's the, the town is a buzz. Uh, snubs include Watchmen. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mm. actually don't care about this at all, but uh, mm. it does seem like the this is a big deal, right? I don't know. You go to, you go to the Golden Globes, Miles. You're, Not, I, you're a r- man on the street at I'm the Golden Globes. I'm a man Globes. about town. I'm yeah. a man who... Uses nepotism to his advantage. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> uh, no, nah, I, I, I've, I'm so bad at watching contenders. Like by the time nominations come out, yeah. I'm always like the nominations come out and then I start watching things. I'm like, yeah. right? Well, should this have been nominated? Mm-hmm. Tell me what to watch. There's a few things. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, shout out to anyone who is nominated. Wish Pen Fifteen got nominated. Yeah, but me too. What are you gonna do? Uh, well, they were too busy nominating Catch Twenty Two. Hey, but G- uh, Game of Thrones, fucking, Game of Thrones, they're like, get out of here. I respect <laughs> the shit out of them. Not not like Game of Thrones. The last six seasons have been nominated in like Best TV Show, Best like tons of acting nominations. They gave it a uh, nomination. Even the octogenarians at the yeah. Hollywood Foreign Press were like, mm, that I don't know. was not it. That's how you're gonna do Khaleesi? No, <laughs> yeah, not for us. Uh, otherwise, no surprises here. Uh, no women directors nominated, despite movies like Hustlers that would have been great candidates. Oh, uh, those, yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is Boo. a comedy musical. Uh, <laughs> I think both, probably. We yeah, could all agree on that. Definitely. Uh, hilarious and gets your toe tapping. What was your favorite musical number? That one with the flamethrower? <laughs> yeah, the flamethrower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Eat my flamethrower. Like, it's uh, like hippie it, scum. It's the one that it's uh, like every year when you have these categories, the studios are just like, okay, well, can we, how do we work this? Yeah, Martian's right. a comedy, right? Wedge- Martian's yeah. a comedy. Martian's a comedy. Martian's a comedy. <laughs> yeah, Brett, right. Yeah. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> so people, there are parts that you laugh at. So it's comedy. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. Um, they should be lawyers for the GOP. Yeah, there there were some other ones like uh, Jennifer Lopez was nominated for Hustlers, uh, but as supporting actor. Mm-hmm. So like there there's all sorts of supporting versus uh, Tom Hanks was is that a supporting actor. Was that a ensemble cast? Would you say it would make there's sense a, for her to be supporting, mm, or she would have? Well, it's there's a pretty clear protagonist. Sure. Um, but and it's not J Lo, but she's such oh. a major role in it. Right, that, right, I right. No. Yeah. I wonder how they figure, or they're like, uh, okay, Constance who are they? Su- Wu, I think is the right. protag. I wonder if they look at who they're putting up for best actress. Like, okay, let's maybe we'll migrate to the supporting actress field, mm. right, to get some more love. Uh. What about that Playmobil movie? Oh. I just. I heard snubbed. Snubbed. <laughs> snubbed once again. Because <laughs> I heard this morning you come in. I remember we were talking weeks yeah. ago about all the stupid IP that's being optioned yeah. for fucking reboots and why. Yeah. Uh, and the Just Playmobil boots. movie, I was like, that doesn't make sense. Because A, I don't know how many Americans are really that familiar with Playmobil. Like, I get it in the 80s and 70s, a lot of people fucked with Playmobil. Right. But I knew that as like the weird thing that. 
like the cars didn't look quite right because it was all from Germany, I think. Right. Yeah. So it didn't quite match what I thought. And as we things... know, Germans suck at building cars. Go oh, ahead. yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, terrible, terrible <laughs> automotive uh, capabilities there. But yeah. And then so when I saw that it was going to be a movie, I'm like, there's mm-hmm. no way this is going to do well. Right. And so it made in. So it was released in Europe first where it made. $12 million on a budget of, I think, $75 million. Oops. Oh, my God. Uh, and they then went big with their release in the United States after putting it off for a little while. Like, oh boy, this is going to be bad. Uh, they experimented with dropping the price of tickets, which is something what? you can apparently do. <laughs> it didn't cost full price. Well, that's what they did with Peloton, right? So yeah. it's going right. to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It was released at over 2,000 locations, which is usually the benchmark for a wide release. Uh, and it made under $1 million. It made $668,000 oh, no. over the weekend, uh, oh. making it the third worst debut ever for Wait, a film so that was playing in over 2,000 locations. It's like each theater made about 300 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Tops. <laughs> Oh no! I mean, when you watch, I'm looking at the trailer. It just looks like a janky Lego movie. Like you're just swapping it out for the round-faced Playmobil characters. Janky version of a movie that, when they made a sequel to it, that was the official sequel to that movie. People like it. It was a big disappointment box office was so they and it's funny too because Playmobil is a German brand. So you think, okay, well then maybe they're gonna make their coins in Europe. And right. they only did twelve million. Yeah, that that's... budget is that the mark the total like what they need to be for profitability, or it costs seventy five million dollars to animate this. I think that's Excuse I think me. probably production budget, but you're not going <laughs> to hear anything like that. Is that has to be the bare bones, like lowest you could say this movie cost, uh, yeah. without like making people laugh. Uh, and it's still not even going to come close to that. It's going to be one of the all time biggest flops. In the history of the <laughs> well, new Cutthroat Island, saw, right? anything. When I saw the trailer for it, a, I don't know, I guess like a month or so ago, I was like, I, I tweeted, I was like, legitimate question is Playmobil a popular enough toy to justify right. making a movie about right. it? And the responses were, it is in Europe, but like, right, no one in, in the US really anymore, at least, I don't think, plays with these toys or like hardly anyone. Yeah, right. So I was like, what are you doing? Well, and European cinema is known uh, traditionally for its toy-based movies. Uh, so, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, the French right, cinema. Right, the French New Wave, which is, I think, mostly made with Tinker Tots. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> A lot of Lincoln Log Lincoln Logs. Uh, ah, yes, yes, Movies yes, yes. In, in Germany. The classics. Uh, <laughs> well, Caitlin, uh, this has been fun. As always, having you. Where can people find you, follow you, uh, enjoy you? Oh, gee whiz. Thanks for having me, number one. Number two, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Caitlin Durante. Like I said, you can go to my website, CaitlinDurante.com. If you click on the Shows tab, you can see all my upcoming shows, as well as the classes that I said that I teach. Again, I have some intro-level classes starting in January if anyone's interested in learning screenwriting from a master. Thank you. And commander. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am the master and the commander of the class. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, check out the Bechtel cast. Uh, we talk about the representation of women in film from a feminist lens. Nice. Is there a tweet you've been enjoying? Oh, indeed. Yes. Uh, this comes from 
Maggie Mae Fish, and it says, um, my favorite films of the decade are all of them. Even the ones deemed bad uh, have had some of the most creative shots slash lighting. There's a diamond in every art, and it's it's an expression of humanity any way you look at it, dot, dot, dot. But it's also absolutely Paddington. It's hey, the best yeah. film of wow. the decade. Yep. Unequivocal. Uh-huh. Uh, Would you say that is the best film of the decade? Paddington 2 is, I will say, right here, right now, the best film of not only the decade, of the, the history of Cinema? womankind. Yeah. Yep. With a mm-hmm. Fantastic. Uh, Miles, where can, uh, by the way, I think you mispronounced bomb. Uh, with a bomb. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> with where can plum. people find you and what is a tweet you've been enjoying? Oh, okay. Yes, you can find me and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Uh, God, I just a uh, tweet I like. Let me tell you a tweet I don't like. <laughs> uh, let me tell you a little tweet I'm really you're, hating. You're just scrolling it's through from, my Twitter, aren't you? It's from <laughs> Shuya Hater, who's a real hater, if you ask me, that said, Pete Buttigieg is the type of guy who goes on vacation to Italy and when he comes back is always going, Ciao! Ah, oh, gotta stop saying that. I was just in Italy, you understand? <laughs> and also he committed some kind of international bank fraud while he was there. Now, uh-huh. I will say this. I have not committed international bank fraud, but I have been to Italy, and Pete Buttigieg was dining next to me at Trattoria Mario in the Piazzale Michelangelo, just on the hills of Tuscany looking down. Anyway, actually, that's not where that restaurant is, and I'm ashamed of myself because that's actually near the central market of Tuscany. Anyone would know that. Not Tuscany, it's Florence or Firenze. Uh, and Jack O'Brien, I have to really thank you oh. for for Why? Put, what did I? Oh, for tweeting it out and just putting, and everybody, actually it was everybody, group effort. Thank you so much for you saying, at Miles of Gray, I'll just leave this here. Thank uh-huh. you so much. Um, and then another tweet I like, is this from a listener who, we were talking about Rasputin, Rasputin, uh, and I was like, what about Rasputin, the Jamaican version of oh, yeah. uh, Vladimir Putin? Uh, and I'm sure this graphic must have existed, or uh, the Rob in Problem at Graphic Expletive put this together, uh, because this image of Rasputin with the dreadlocks and like the everything, the the knit hat. He could have been wearing a mesh marina to fully make it uh, Ross style, but uh, thank you so much for putting that in my in my mentions because I did laugh at that. Yeah, and Rob does put the Rob in problem. So yeah, that's true. That's always that been true. true. I've said that from day one. Uh, some tweets I've been enjoying. One is from. A comedian named Caitlin Durante <gasps> who tweeted, turns the out comedian? Watchmen on HBO is not about a men who get bitten by a radioactive watch. Hollywood has let me down again. Thank uh, you. And I will always uh, shout, shout it out every time uh, it's that good. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> I liked the responses to Bette Midler's tweet. Uh, so Bette Midler tweeted a photograph of three young women looking at their phones in an art gallery and tweeted, what's wrong with this picture? Uh, Because they're looking at their phone instead of the paintings. And Paul F. Tompkins tweeted, you should also shame the people in the gift shop and the cafe of the museum and anyone leaving the museum. Look at the art at all times. Once you enter the museum, you die there. And the last image on your lifeless eyes is an art. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, oh, and also, uh, CBS News tweeted a banana duct tape to a wall was sold for $120,000 at Art Basel, Miami, and Matt Oswalt uh, tweeted, idiot, you can buy a banana for half that price at Whole Foods. Uh, <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that's some good, good dad content. Uh, well, with approved financing. Yes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. Miles, what's that going to be today? Uh, we'll do a track by DJ Crush from Japan, who's mm. kind of like Japan's DJ Shadow. Uh, if you like, you know, just dudes who put little samples together. This track is called Drum, and it's a song that when I used to go to the gym, I would use to work out a lot. And I was thinking of the Peloton ad, and if I was on a Peloton uh, and was a little bit more serious about my health, I would probably be listening to the song. Mm-hmm. Let's remind me of all that. Instead, I take the stairs at work, and I'll call that a workout. Right. Now, I'm not asking this for any reason, but would you be offended if Her Majesty got you a Peloton? Yes. You would. Because okay. she knows, because she says a lot of stuff underhandedly to me. She's like, oh, right. wow, that Peloton. I heard it worked for some other dude. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, it's it's cool. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, your legs are looking a little cool. She wasn't going to get Let you one ta- anyway. Less so tawny than they could be. Less Peloton-y than they could be. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, If she uh, got me one, actually, I would be upset because I feel like $2,000 could be spent it's, so much better. Is that how much I'm, they are? It's like $2,300 of money. But they break yeah. it down and be like, but you can basically be under our thumb monthly for 60 bucks right. or 50 Yeah, they give you bucks. a great deal on it. I'm sick. Yeah, yeah. because it's a subscription service also. You get oh. to pay that and then subscribe to, to the thing, the to thing. the iPad that screams at you. On, oh. the, on the off oh. chance that they'll... Call you Grace from Brooklyn. Look, all or you gotta Grace do from Boston. Just get that thing where you take the your regular bike you have that lifts your back wheel off the ground so you can pedal it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then put an iPad right in front of you, boom. Put Peloton. I mean, like legitimately that would work just as well. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Or it's just any stationary bike. Right. But with an iPad on it. Right. <laughs> and look, anyone who does spin class or whatever, I look, I don't I don't know about it. So I'm gonna assume that's what it is. Well, we're gonna ride out on Miles's uh, Jock Jams. Uh, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for today. Uh, actually, not today, for this morning. Uh, we'll be back later on this afternoon with Trending Zeitgeist mm-hmm. and back tomorrow with another whole freaking podcast, you guys. We'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.